Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maudie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are gonna live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal and we're gonna get after it starting right now. Okay, peeps, this part of the show is my big old virtual hug, and thank you for reviewing my podcast, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews seriously mean the world to me. This comment comes from Orange West. Orange says, inspiring conversations that make you realize you can do it too. Maudie is a wonderful host and inspiring woman herself who lets us see we can design the life we truly want and interviews women who back this up. Great podcast. This legit made my entire week. Thank you so much, Orange West. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Leave a review and I will make sure to get a shout out to you on a future episode. Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast, Libby and Jonathan. I am here with my second cousin, Libby Aker, and her husband, Jonathan Fleming, who own Pioneer Square DNE. And I am so excited to bring you this interview because we're going to talk about living on purpose and also about what business looks like pre and post COVID quarantine and getting creative and moving past this time that we're in. So, welcome, you guys. Yay. Yay! <laughs> well, why don't we start off, if you could just, in a couple minutes, give us a little bit of background about yourself, both personally and professionally. Yeah. So we've been in the restaurant industry for a very long time. It's something we're really passionate about. I think collectively, we've opened up 17 restaurants, some of oh them. Gosh. Yeah. So... Um, this is something we've been doing for a really long time and, you know, we're really passionate about hospitality and food and kind of what restaurants do to our community and for our community. And, um, you know, Jonathan and I met in restaurants 10 years ago, we worked at the same restaurant together. Um, you know, we were married at a restaurant, so they're, they're just really important to us and very much intertwined in the fabric of our lives. Absolutely. And then uh, tell us what you got going on personally. What's happening at your home? So we are in very strict quarantine. Um, So, you know, it's us here when we're not at the restaurant, we're at home with our two-year-old daughter. And how's that going for you guys? How, how is COVID affecting your family life right now? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just a total adjustment of our lives in the sense that uh, Libby was working, um, going to work every day. Now she's working from home. And we were taking Audrey to daycare and we're not taking her to daycare anymore. So, you know, we're still juggling how to make sure that she's being getting her needs. 
but we're having to change how that works in that sense with uh, Audrey. And then obviously the restaurant's like model of business has changed significantly. So there's somewhat small changes, but when they add up, it's quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And have you found that the designated of work, of family chores, I guess, has changed much? I feel like for us, we've all stepped into these different roles and more roles, right? We're still working, but now we're, I mean, you're, you have a two-year-old, mm-hmm. you're not doing school, but you're keeping her busy, right? So how are you juggling a business, work, a two-year-old, all of it? You know, while our, like how we do it has changed, that's always been something that we've had to juggle with. So it's definitely more difficult now that we don't have childcare. Um, that's a significant piece of it. Um, in terms of our rules, I don't really think too much has changed. Jonathan still works all the time. <laughs> we still both work all the time. Just now we have to do it with a child in tow. So difficult. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really familiar with the restaurant. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you guys can be there though. It's kind of like another place that you can go to and still be quarantined and be just with yourselves. That's a safe place. Yeah. So you've been in the restaurant industry for 17 years. 10 years ago, you met. Have you always been here in the Seattle area? Yes. I have. I'm born and raised from here. Uh, grew up on the south side and the east side. Libby's from the Bay Area, though. I moved up here for college. Okay, awesome. And has is this the first one that you've owned? Correct. Okay, yeah. awesome. And and tell us tell us about that. How has this always been a dream to have your own restaurant? I think a lot of people that work in the restaurant industry romant- have romantic ideas about opening a restaurant even I think people outside of the industry. So it's really easy answer to say, yes, it's always been a dream, but the reality of it actually being something that we could do is much shorter period of time. And it really came down to, you know, conversations in the workplace with other people and then uh, uh, with each other, like, Hey, is this something that we can do now? And um, all of that came into kind of fruition probably in the last three years and the restaurant's been open for, just about a year and a half now. Oh my gosh. Okay. So three years ago, you, you really started having the dream, like, okay, we could do this. And then a year and a half later it was open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. That's amazing because this podcast, I really like to talk to people who have made the conscious decision to move from a life of kind of like default, right? Like just going through the motions. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing to one that's by design. That's really intentional, really on purpose. So you had the idea, the romantic idea of owning and change that into reality in such a short time. Can you walk us through how that happened? I think the biggest thing was that um, we probably had more of the means to do it than we realized. And then once we decided that we could move forward with it, it kind of actually happened a lot faster than I think that we intended it to do. The space where Deanie is at is in a neighborhood that Libby and I lived in for a long time. And so we were super familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And the person who had the restaurant before us in this space essentially decided to retire and the space became available and all kind of like kind of all fell into place for us. Um, when the decision to, to do this was in play, it all happened really fast. Yeah. So how many years would you say that you guys have 
casually talked about owning your own restaurant. Entire time we've been together. <laughs> so yeah, so it's always been there. It's always been, you know, oh, like that would be a really great thing if we could do that. But the last three years, it was, was really putting pedal to the metal and really trying to figure out if we could do it. And then the last, you know, two years was like, oh my gosh, I think we actually can do this. Okay. Let, okay. Let's do it. Oh, should we? Okay. Okay. Let's do it. I think that's so amazing because you talked about it, right? I think when we talk about something, it becomes more of a realistic dream as, as opposed to something that's just in your mind, like a pipe dream that you're just going to think about your entire life. So when you've been talking about it for 10 years and I wonder like, Jonathan, have you been opening restaurants for 17 or both of you? I've been working, I've been working as a manager, I should say. I've been working in restaurants for almost 20 years. And about half the time I've been working in restaurants, it was, I've been with Libby and half the time not. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like I said, I think anybody that works in the industry has that romantic idea that this is something they could do on their own. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing once you start talking about it and going down that path of what if, what if, when a real opportunity presents itself, you're more ready to take it. Yeah. You're more ready to go at it, even if it seems faster than you would have anticipated or ever could have possibly dreamed about. Yeah, I think the biggest change is like changing those romantic ideas into like realistic ideas. And what really kind of came together for us was that we really loved living in this neighborhood and I think missed a big part of our lives that was when we moved out to buy our house. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality for us when it became, you know, potential that we could be opening a restaurant back in the neighborhood was to not just like be a place that's serving food and drinks, but to be a place that's a part of the community and kind of bring ourselves back into this neighborhood that we have so much passion for. That's amazing. It really came full circle for you, for you guys. Right. Um, how, how has business shifted during COVID and specifically DNE seems to have shifted quickly. I'm seeing posts on social media right now of restaurants that I follow that are just now launching, right? Just now getting back into business. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's just really interesting to me that you guys were able to make the shift so quickly. So can you tell us how COVID has affected your restaurant and then how were you able to do that so rapidly? Yeah. I don't know that it feels rapid all the time. I think sometimes when people are talking about how long we've been in quarantine, I'm like, wow, it's been that long already. But um, I think the biggest thing for us was when before quarantine, when people started to work from home more, especially in this area, we saw drastic decreases in foot traffic in the restaurant. And from that point forward, we were asking ourselves, like, how do we get through this? When the quarantine was first announced, we decided to close. The biggest thing I think is like every time a point comes to make a decision, we ask ourselves a lot, like, are we making the right decision? Mm -hmm. And so during the week that we were closed, I was coming down to the restaurant a lot to make sure that everything was okay. We realized that there wasn't really any other places in the neighborhood that were open. So we decided that maybe it was a good opportunity for us to open again. The reality is like when we closed, we had to lay everyone off. And with the level of business that we we've been doing, we don't have enough revenue coming in to really have anybody on payroll. As business owners, us being here, us doing social media, that's free labor. Right. right? So we can be open and offer food to X number of people that 
car coming in and not have to bring people on unless there's more revenue coming in. Right. Absolutely. And what I also see with that though, is you're, you're maintaining the opportunity for your employees after this, right? Yeah. And that's the conversation that we had with them when we did talk to them about having to lay people off. Um, we could pretend that we can bring keep people here and the likelihood that the restaurant stays open long-term is really low. Just face reality and do what we have to do with the stronger uh, potential that the restaurant can survive this. Yeah. So go back to tell me about the, you know, week one you closed in. Every time you have to make a decision, you're asking yourselves, are we making the right decision? And is that a conversation that you have together intentionally each time something comes up? I think a lot of the stuff that we do ends up being like individual thoughts that we talk together about. So it's like two ideas coming together for, for an example. But like, I think the biggest thing is like the menu that we had pre coronavirus was intended for people to dine in a restaurant. And some people took food to go and that's totally okay. But the reality is like some food is better for to go than others. Right. Um, and so we've definitely shifted our menu, I think more than a little bit, <laughs> um, to be more appropriate for to go. And the the reality is, I don't think that post quarantine life is going to be the same. And we're assuming that we're going to still see larger to go orders, larger numbers of to go orders than we had in the past. I'm hearing a lot of like conversation before things are happening between you guys. Like you said. You know, you noticed as a business owner a drastic decrease in foot traffic pre-quarantine. So were these conversations happening before the governor's announcement? And were you making the shift before it was really a stay-at-home order? We started making decisions and having conversations like the beginning of March because we saw what was happening. People were starting to work from home. And like John said our lunch business entirely relies on people working in the area, you know, and then things started happening like the NBA canceled their season and the opening day for the Mariners got pushed back. Like those, you know, not the NBA, but the Mariners that incredibly affects our business. Um, We're right by these sports fields and um, stadiums and event centers and things like that. Like those are, are providing us some of our best days before. So yes, we were, had early conversations. We knew we needed to pivot quickly and drastically. And we started talking about what our future was going to look like. I think a lot of times it comes down to like not being scared to make a wrong answer or wrong decision. And that like, I think sometimes stagnancy is the wrong decision. Yes. So you know, when I say that we ask ourselves like whether or not we're making the right decision or not, the question for us isn't whether or not we're going to make the decision. It's like which decision we're going to make, which change we're going to make. Because right. the reality is we can't stay the same and just uh, expect the same results. Absolutely. And and I, I think that's apparent because you said you closed. Yeah. Right? You, know, right, yeah. you know, number one, your decision was to close and then you pivoted drastically and reopened with I'm assuming the two of you and again you're having the conversations even right now I think it's important that you're having the conversations of post-COVID what does our business look like as opposed to assuming 
it's going to go back to normal because there isn't any normal anymore, right? It, it, it might be a new normal, but it's not going to look the same. So brilliant as business owners. And I love that you guys come with two different ideas and come together to make a decision. Knowing that it might be not the perfect one at the time, but always willing to pivot quickly and early. Yeah. Uh, important to us. You know, there are other businesses that have chosen to wait and then open up later. And, you know, the thing is, we're all doing this for the first time. There's no guidebook. There's no rule book. No one knows what they're doing. So it's really relearning like our 20 years of experience in the restaurant industry. We're totally relearning that and no one can help us. Right. <laughs> is, there, is there like a back, back room restaurant community where you guys talk and you have some people to, okay. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a tight knit group of people that we rely on, like pre pandemic as well, just yeah. in general, like regular business questions. Where, you know, I'm not a chef, but I've worked with lots of chefs. So when I have culinary questions, I ask them. And because my background is more on the business and service side of things, when they have questions of those type, then they rely on me. And so there's definitely a you know, core group of people that we are always bouncing questions off of. I think that's such a great thing. I've been talking a lot about community and making sure that we're still fostering our community. And it sounds like you have a great one and that you have mentors to go to and people come to you as a mentor as well. And so nobody's recreating the wheel. We're just having conversations about what now, what next, what next. Yeah. Relearning 20 years. Holy mackerel. Like, and good for you for seeing it that way and having that mindset as opposed to hands in the air, I, you know, we're, we're paralyzed with fear, with whatever. Yeah. I mean, the reality is you can't run a restaurant from home, right? Like there's some jobs you can do from home. You can't do a restaurant from home. So, you know, that week that we were closed and I was at home, like it was great to be with the family and everything, but also I have a lot, you know, a lot of concerns, like what's going to happen to the business and whatnot. And I think a big measure of like our decision to reopen was we can be open and not take on additional debt yes. being closed and we can do it on a small scale and I don't go crazy at home doing that. <laughs> right. Right. We're lucky, right. To have the opportunity for sure to keep our businesses going right now. Absolutely. Okay. So when I came to, to Libby about my crazy idea about feed the front lines, you jumped on it as you've only been in business for a year and a half. And you're facing pandemic and you're facing all these changes. And some of the restaurants who I've asked to be a part of this and, and partnered have just not not, re, not responded. And that's absolutely okay. But I find it interesting. So tell me why you were so willing to jump on board with Feed the Front Lines and provide 50 meals and take them. Delivery is not in your wheelhouse <laughs> to take them to Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we're really passionate about here is community. We've talked about it a lot. Like we're really passionate about our Pioneer Square community. And I think that this, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. Okay. The silver lining of this pandemic is the amount of community that's created. You know, my brother-in-law is a frontline worker, you know, so it hits really close to home and it's just really important to be able to support that community and we have the means to do it. Yeah. The fact that we had never done it before or, you know, that we weren't necessarily prepared, we figured it out as we went and guess what? It turned out great. You know? Yeah. We are super thankful for that. 
and the natural model for our business is that we rely on people in our community to come in and spend money for us to stay afloat. And I think it would be kind of naive for us to think that during tough times, it's not, you know, not our responsibility to also help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your willingness to partner so quickly on this crazy new idea, right? As we are quickly adapting to whatever we can do week to week. How can we, your community, support DNE right now and as we slowly get back to air quotes normal? I think the biggest thing for helping businesses like ours is not just doing what you can to support them by ordering from the restaurant or or other small business, but letting people know about this business that you know about. The toughest thing I think for small businesses and a difference uh, as opposed to larger corporations is the marketing side of things. And we we really do rely on word of mouth. People talk a lot about social media and social media can have a really large profound effect on, on a business. But the reality is that word of mouth has such a like larger effect. Um, there's so many people that aren't on social media. Social media relies on algorithms that don't necessarily reach everyone. And are very favorable to small businesses. And to be fair, like a lot of places spend money on social media to advertise and smaller businesses don't actually have those funds, especially during these times to like get their word out in that way. So it's really just about, you know, letting people know that there's a, a good business that you know about that is, exists. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. So order, of course, but then tell people, tell people in a conversation about d whether you do it now or later start spreading the word about this amazing Pioneer Square restaurant that is a year and a half in and doing everything that they possibly can for both the community and for their employees to stay in business so that they can slowly start bringing people back on board. Yeah. Yeah, Some of the things that I like to say, because people ask me this all the time, um, obviously gift cards are wonderful. You can purchase those online or call up the shop and they'll send those to you. Ordering food, it is better for you to order food and then pick up as opposed to using a third-party delivery service. If third-party delivery service, you don't want to leave your home or you're not comfortable leaving your home, that's also a great option. I also say, you know, a lot of people are supporting the restaurants around their homes, which is very important. You should absolutely do that. But also think about the places around where you work. Like when you go back, if you want that coffee shop or that sandwich place, or, you know, that dry cleaner um, to be available to you when we do return to our offices. It's really important to reach out beyond your home community and find them as well. Because their chances are they're probably hurting worse than some of these neighborhood restaurants. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then, you know what, for a lot of us, like buying gift cards and doing takeout every night is just not in the cards and not financially feasible. I understand that, especially right now, you know, so like what John said, like supporting on social media, liking posts, commenting on posts, sharing posts, you know, when we were doing feed the front lines, it was so helpful for people that shared it and liked it and passed it on to their friends. Cause maybe they're putting in front of someone that can donate $10. It's so important to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I was thinking about the front lines and I've, I got a couple comments. I know you've gotten a couple emails or many emails from the frontline healthcare workers who are so appreciative 
but also just in awe of the, the healthy, nutritious, like locally sourced meal that you're providing. And the comments that I'm getting from our frontline healthcare workers are, thank you for not providing more junk. Like I needed like lettuce and real meat and a good healthy meal in the midst of my crazy 12 hour shift. Like that was so appreciated. And post pandemic, I have a feeling that everybody who saw these, these social media shares will be visiting places like DNE and places who have stepped up to partner with Feed the Front Lines because that proves that their investment is in the community just as much as. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I know I could talk and just keep talking to you for a really long time, but you have to go get Sunday brunch orders out the front door. Let's finish up. Libby, this question is for you. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what living on purpose means to you? Such a stressful question. I know it's really, it's really loaded. Yeah. (laughs) Um, what living on purpose means to me, I think it just means, you know, being honest and true and having integrity in what you do. That is something that's really important to us here. And, you know, owning this restaurant has been a long time dream, but it was super scary. It is super scary. It feels like we're really putting ourselves out there and our passions out there opening ourselves up to criticism all the time, you know, whether we're doing things right or whether we're cooking things correctly or whether we're doing the right thing in the middle of pandemic, it's just so hard. But, you know, every time when I get really overwhelmed or stressed out about that, I just am thankful for the fact that we are able to make ourselves vulnerable in that way. And we're actually like putting ourselves out there and working hard to do something that we're passionate about. So beautiful. Right. Oh my gosh. Living on purpose isn't easy. It's scary and vulnerable and hard. And you have to put totally. yourself for your passion. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys taking this time on a Sunday morning. Thank you, John. Thank you, Libby, Libby, for being with us. For yeah. being with us and sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for um, thinking of us. And of course, like doing all the feed the frontline stuff. And, you know, you've been such a good supporter of us. And like, oh my gosh, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time always keep living on purpose.